Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business and the knowledge economy sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Sage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, it was supposed to be Ed, our fourth interview with George Gilder, but he's not here. No, he ghosted us. He ghosted <laughs> us, yes. So we're, uh, no, we're calling sure an audible. Good reason. We're, I'm sure there is. He, I know he's got a big conference coming up in, I think it's in in outside of Seattle somewhere. Um, uh, I think it's called telecosm still, but um, yeah, so he's probably busy doing that. But anyway, so we're going to get into uh, a pretty heavy stack of stuff Ed. I got lots of stuff. All right. We'll bring it on Ron since you open. All right. So, and just in case folks, if, if Gilder does pop on, we will of course go to him, but uh, for now we're, we're doing plan B. So let's talk about, Elon Musk, Ed, um, you know, I'm so, how many times do we have to hear about billionaires, you know, take it over? Oh, this is a toy for billionaires. What about Bezos and the Washington Post and, you know, uh, what's her name? Lawrence Powell Jobs. You Mm -hmm. know what she owns? The Atlantic, right? I I mean, come on, this, this is, um, uh, this is what they do when you have a lot of money. But, but what I found interesting was this exchange. Um, This is from Jay Nordlinger. He said, um, you know, the Saudi Arabian prince Al-Alid bin Talal helped Musk finance the $44 billion acquisition of Twitter. He rolled over his existing $1.9 million in in stake in the company. And so that makes Saudi entities the second largest shareholder in Twitter behind only Musk himself. And he tw- and and uh, when he bought Twitter, Musk tweeted, "The bird is freed." <laughs> um, and the Saudi guy tweeted, "Dear friend, Chief Twit," because I guess that's what he's calling himself he's now. He's calling right? him, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said, "Together all the way at Twitter." And Jay Nordlinger points out, "I spoke with another Saudi whose brother is a political prisoner in Saudi Arabia. He was in prison for writing tweets." critical of the government. He's been tortured. When agents smashed his hand, they said to him, is this the one you tweet tweet with? I just thought that was interesting. Wow. That the second largest shareholder in Twitter is Saudi Arabia. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things about this that have happened this week. Obviously, getting rid of the the CFO, the CEO, the chief uh, uh, legal uh, folks at the top. Yep. Uh, and I guess somewhere I keep hearing different numbers between 30 and 70 percent of of the people. Um, I think they said 50 percent will be we're going to be let go immediately. But the other thing that they're going to do ready for this, Ron, they're going to make everybody come into an office office. Yeah, they have Musk to come into big the on office. That. He is Musk very is big, big on that. Yep. He is yep. big on that. And I think that that's going to lead to a lot of other people leaving. So who knows? I thought I had an exchange with someone on on Twitter. Um, 
may have been Facebook actually that they, they, where I said that she, it was a friend of mine who's like, I'm leaving Twitter. I won't put up with people who are um, allowing the negativity, you know, the, the bad, unacceptable language, et cetera. And I, and I said, well, you know, th- this is free speech. I actually prefer it when bigots self-identify. Exactly. Right. Now, I'm not saying that you should be able to incite violence. That's still that's still a no, no. Incitement is not a good thing. But it just in terms of language use and saying stupid stuff like yay did and uh, Kyrie Irving, um, you know, let, fine. Let it let it let it happen. Let it flow. Uh, I, I, I'm a, and, and somebody said to me, well, it's a private company they, they can uh, they, they can censor. I said, I didn't say they couldn't. <laughs> I said they shouldn't. <laughs> And I think there's a big difference and a distinction that needs to be made between those two things. The the other thing I want to bring up with regard to the Twitter, and I don't know if you've been following in this, but he's going to, he's the, the policy now is going to start to charge the blue checkers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's $8 a month, something like that. And, you know, I think this is, this is a wonderful idea. This, and somebody said, well, what if the, you know, the, the, the Twitter handle that's like at God or whatever, they pay $8 a month and therefore God is verified on Twitter. And I'm like, no, that's not, you don't, you don't, you're not, you're not getting it. That account is not going to get a blue check. You right. can't purchase a blue check. Right. It's you can like be offered the blue check domain. Yeah. It, yes. You can be offered the blue check. And if you want to take it, you can, and it's going to get you a, additional functionality, including stuff. I think like long a, a ability to post longer videos. Um, I think the edit tweets too. And, but, but some other stuff that you're going to be able to do, as part of this. And, you know, I don't know how many he's going to uh, pull off, but good, good on him. Why not? I, I think it's a, it's a op- opportunity to revenue stream. I do too. And th- these people should be paying for it. I mean, if, if, from what I understand, and I'm not that versed in Twitter, but from what I understand, the people who are blue checked, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're the bulk of the activity. They're the Pareto principle. Right. right, they're the twenty that make up the eighty percent of the tweets. They use it all the time to get whether they're journalists getting their work out or different content or whatever. They should pay for it, and if they're not willing to pay for it, sayonara. Yeah, if it's not worth eight bucks a month or whatever, then okay, go to Substack. Right. Well, I wonder if you could get a blue check, Ron. You've got six books out. Probably could get a blue check. I wouldn't want to pay the eight bucks a month. No, we uh, we get it. We would expense it through the soul of oh, enterprise. Oh, okay, Ron. you'd be you'd be able to take it as a as a you know as, a, as, a, as a, a, we can put it on your expense report. Oh, okay, okay, uh, along with my shoes, along with your shoes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There you got you you got that going for you. Why do you think Musk is so intent on having people in the office? I mean, I, I know you could say, well, he runs Tesla and they, you know, people have to be there because it's an assembly line for crying assembly out line. Yeah, no, <laughs> and I talked to some Tesla employees who were like, yeah, he's real big about he want he he likes MBWA, you know, that's that whole Tom Peters management by wandering around or walking around. And the he serendipity of, of yep. people meeting and talking. I mean, Pixar's got this attitude and Apple and Google have this attitude. Now, I think Google's kind of lightened it up a bit and they're, they're letting people out more days, but I think Apple didn't Tim Cook say three days a week. Yeah. <laughs> we want you in the building. You know, yep. um, in fact, one, one Apple exec leftover, it went to Google, I think mm-hmm. if I remember right. But, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. The, the other thing that I've heard too, is that there are a bunch of uh, people from, from the old um, payment 
company uh, uh, uh paypal paypal are, are have been in the building as well now some people speculate that then like the tesla engineers or are, are there just looking at the code to see what's going on in the in the code but i and i i i thought this from the very beginning i i think one of the plays for for, for twitter is payments yeah I, micro payments for content yep. I, I, yeah. I think they, that's i think that's where this might be and yeah. If anybody can do it, it's, it's old Elon, it's, or he just a, spent forty-four billion and it's going and is going to flush it down the toilet. And- yeah, yeah, you know that's a really interesting point because it would be kind of like a micro substack, mm-hmm. you know. Um, thinking about you know Gilder's comment way back in the '90s when he said you know if everybody who read Doonesbury because that was the biggest thing at the time you know mm-hmm. was the Doonesbury strip, he said if every rather than syndicate getting a syndication fee that the author could get you know a penny for everybody who read it. Yeah, micropayment wasn't in the vocabulary, you know, back right. in the early 90s. But that was kind of the point. And I could see Twitter could somehow monetize that, you know, for certain types of content, like a comic strip, like a Scott Adams. Yep. Um, well, there you go. All right, Ed, you're up. Oh, gosh. Um, well, let's let's uh, let's stay sort of on Elon here. And let's talk about, a, a, you know, a boring graph that I have, but the U- U.S. electric vehicle sales in 2022, the okay. top two cars are, you guessed it, Teslas, by a lot, <laughs> a yep. lot, um, and like not even close, uh, the, the, the Model Y it sold ninety has sold ninety seven thousand units so far. The Model Three has sold sixty six thousand units. Coming in at number three is the Ford Mustang, right? At about eleven thousand units. Then the Hyundai, at about nine thousand units. And then number five is the Tesla Model X, <laughs> first, second, and five at about eight thousand. So they have they have one, two, and five, and they also have seven because the six is the, is a Kia, mm-hmm. but, but just think of the, 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 the two top numbers, 97,000 and 67,000. And if you add up all of the Teslas all the, and just compared it to the, I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's, 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 well, this was the, you know, this was the biographer's point on Musk as he punched Detroit in the, in the face. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they did now, yes, they deal in millions. These numbers are rounding errors to outfits like Toyota, but, but they know this is the direction things are headed, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he was first. Yep. Um, yep. yeah, that's, that's fat. What is the X? What's the model X? Uh, Tesla? that's their hot, their higher end SUV type thing. So it's oh, okay. like, I have, I have the cheap one. I have the cheapo, you know, hybrid, I guess they call it, um, or multi-purpose vehicle. I forget the, 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 the name that they use or utility utility. I think they use utility vehicle. Right. Right. So, okay. Crossover. Thanks. Cross crossover. Um, well, Ed, this, you know, as you know, as we know, I think we talked about it last week, Jonah Goldberg, one of our favorite podcasters from the remnant, mm-hmm. his mother, Lucy Ann Goldberg passed away. You talked a little bit about the special that you watched um, yes. on on that. Well, Jonah in his G file on Friday, last Friday, um, 
it was a tribute to her. And there was a paragraph in there that I just, it, I, it made me howl because this is Ken's humor. Okay. If Ken sitting down, your brother Ken, this, yes, yep. my brother Ken, my late brother Ken, this is where you would hear a belly laugh. Like, I mean, this is right up his alley. So Jonah tells the story, says, according to legend, my mom was fired from the Johnson White House presses, press office when she joked with the wrong person. How do you tell LBJ's daughters, Linda and Lucy, apart? Linda is the tall, ugly one, and Lucy is the short, ugly one. <laughs> I, that's Ken's humor right there. Just right, right for the jugular, right? <laughs> Uh, that just made me how I thought that was great. But this was a great tribute, you know, calling her a great broad. Um, mm -hmm. She started the Pussycat Club. You know, this is in the days of when feminism was just taken off. But she said something that blew my mind on the lecture circuit. I, and I've never heard this before. And it's such a good line. She goes, uh, part of the part of the uh, Pussycat lead, uh, their whole thing was, <sighs> Equality is a step down. What a great line. What a great line. That That is fantastic. That is fantastic. My, my, my favorite part of that story that they told was the fact that, that as, a, as a, a wedding gift, the, the guy at, the, at, the, at Duke's bar burnt, burned her bar bill. <laughs> Yes. Gave, yes. Yes. Gave up her bar bill. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. which I think is such, such a quaint thing to think that there was a time in this country when we had bar like a tab, like you could say, put it on my tab. And that was like a thing, thing. that was really a thing. And there were people that you that 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 bartenders and, and establishments wanted to have a tab because they wanted them in there so that because other people would come in. <laughs> Right, and, right, and it was sort of what that was the one way that they were able to, you know, pay them off in a little bit is to give them, extend them credit, individual credit by putting them on their tab. So anyway, I thought that was that, that's really uh, was a neat, neat thing. But we are up against our first break. Want to remind folks you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is the soul of enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. Our show is we have a Patreon channel where you, get, where you can get the show commercial free that is sponsored by uh, our Patreon members. And at a certain level, you can get a shout out like Mark Gandy did at CFO Bookshelf. So go to CFOBookshelf.com to listen to his podcast. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Accountants and bookkeepers, listen up. Save time by streamlining your customers' payables with Melio. Melio lets you make all your customers' business payments on one simple dashboard. There's no monthly fees and you can send ACH transfers for free. Best of all, Melio syncs with your accounting software so everything is organized. Do yourself and your customers a favor. Join Melio so you can spend less time on payments and more time growing your firm. Visit Melio.com slash accountants for more information. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. 
Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Hey folks, Ed here. Ron is far too modest to tell you about his new book with Paul Dunn, so I'm just going to have to go ahead and do it. Scheduled to release on December 8th, Time's Up, the subscription business model for professional firms, is going to rock the world like the firm of the future did two decades ago. While you can't get the book until December, you can join the pre-order club by buying the book and sending us your receipt. Benefits start in August and will continue through February. For more details, visit thesoulofenterprise.com slash Time's Up. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. Ed and I are going through our stack because our guest, uh, George Gilder, uh, did not show, so we had to call an audible. But uh, in the meantime, we would like to remind you that our show is now sponsored by Melio, which is an accounts payable solution that both you and your customers will love. Go to melio.com slash TSOE to get started for free. And Ed, just on that, one last thing on the Lucianne Goldberg uh, the Glop guys, um, which is Rob Long and John Pothorts, they were on. They obviously Jonah wasn't on, but they were t- reminiscing about Jonah's mom. And I guess she walked into a bar once with uh, uh, her baby, and and uh, it gave gave the baby to the hat check girl in the bar, and went off and sat at the bar, and you know held court. And I just thought, you're right; those days are over. <laughs> you know, bar bar tab and doing well, stuff we, like that we talked about that with our with our guests last week right where uh the because it was a three martini lunch that was all expensed it was it was it was part of part of the deal right brian dimitrovic was 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 big on that told a great story about that yeah for sure for sure so all right man i think you're up all right um i got a couple under under the heading of good news here this is from a, a post or a website called theconversation.com, theconversation.com. This is a blood test that screens for multiple cancers at once and promises to boost early detection. So this is University of Washington uh, was, was doing this. Uh, they said as a laboratory, as a laboratory medicine physician and researcher who develops a molecular test for cancer, I believe that the MCED tests are likely to transform cancer screening in the near f- future particularly if they, if they receive strong 
federal support to enable rapid innovation. So here we are again. And I think what he means there is, you know, quickly get through the problems that are at, at the uh, uh, FDA, right? Mm. Um, and this is one more paragraph from this. MCED tests are different from existing liquid biopsies because they are trying to detect early stage cancer where there aren't that many tumor cells yet. Detecting these cancer cells can be challenging early on because non-cancer cells also shed uh, DNA into the bloodstream. Since most of the circulating DNA bloodstream comes from non-cancer cells, detecting the presence of only a few molecules of cancer is, is like finding a needle in a haystack. But they've developed this technology that hopefully we'll be able to, to do that. So this is uh, the biotech company Grail launched its first commercially available MCED test in the United States and claims to have detect over 50 different types of cancer. So this is on a follow-on to the great guest that we had a couple of years ago, Dr. Oz Reza uh, and the first cell and yeah. pretty exciting stuff. Uh, you know, and I, I, I'm very hopeful that maybe this is going to be something that we'll, we will be able to. Now, the question is, is you know, why, why is there such a, a, a back or why are, is this not being approved faster? And obviously the, the concerns are the false positive rate, mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm, this stuff, like sure. with the PSA tests and all of that. So they really need to, to get that squared away. Um, but well, let's, let, let's call this a, a win, a potential win anyway. Yeah. Well, that's certainly moving in the right direction. Her philosophy of going after the first cell rather than Mm -hmm. attacking the last cell. I'd love to get her back on just to talk to her about what's going on with, with her work and ask her about this. And she was such a a delightful guest. Wow. One of the most powerful shows I think we've ever done, but agreed. (laughs) Yep. An amazing book too, that she wrote the, the first cell. Um, so I've got something in here and it, you know, you can chide me for this, like you chide me for listening to NPR, but like I like NPR, like I like to tell you, I'm an involuntary subscriber to NPR. So I feel I have to listen to it because I'm a member um, involuntarily. Uh, but this is Harvard Business Review. Monitoring individual employees isn't the way to boost productivity. So they talk about the trend of, you know, these keystroke apps and things that can, you know, even they know when you're away from the computer and on the bathroom break, and I'm sure there's workarounds for this, but you know, more and more people are doing this. I, I guess uh, somebody posted on the Verisage site on Facebook um, that Microsoft CEO said, no, we're not going to do any of this to our people, you know, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty commendable, but this article really railed against it. And they, and they said, instead companies need to the, to turn the question around and ask whether their work environment supports their people in being productive. And then listen to this. And the key, and the key is doing this with is empathy. And then they go on to talk about broadly, empathy means focusing on a team, not an individual. What? Does that make any no. sense to you? <laughs> I mean, even even though I know you don't like the word empathy and I know it's got literary connotations and it's, you know, this was, wasn't just Kevin Williamson's point about it's a useful tool in literature because, you know, you can have twins and, you know, if one's drunk, the other one feels drunk and all that, but it's a literary device. It's not meant to be literal. You, right. don't, you, you wouldn't actually want to feel exactly somebody else's. I feel, I'll, I'll feel your pain. Yeah. But, <laughs> 
I thought, what the heck? <clears throat> to me, this just this shot their whole argument down uh, when they said empathy means focusing on a team, not an individual, and focusing on the environment in which people work and not on the specific. It has nothing to do with empathy. He could have chosen many other words here, I think. Yeah, that's uh, odd. Isn't that bizarre? How did this get past Harvard? How did this get past an editor at HBR? This is why I think this magazine is a joke. And so they go on and they talk about all this, you know, teamwork and, and, you know, there's some good points in here about systems thinking and all that. So I think they got the diagnosis right, but their prescription is BS, not once, nothing in here about after action reviews. And, and you know, who was the biggest proponent of after action reviews. It was the former HBR editor, Thomas A. Stewart who wrote two books on intellectual capital that are masterpieces, which I borrowed heavily from because the guy's bro- the guy was brilliant. He was like a poet. He had, mm-hmm. he had no business degree, but he's the one that introduced me to AARs way back in 2000. And HBR is kind of like they've forgotten about it. So they don't talk about AARs in here and, and, and you know, but they're talking about all the things that that would yeah. lead you to conclude an AAR would be a great thing for systems thinking and improvement and actually, you know, and all, but no, nothing. So just thought that was really weird, but boy, to say that empathy is about the group and not the person. That's just bizarre. It is bizarre. I mean, yeah. and the word that I prefer just to clarify is, is compassion. Yes. Uh, you know, compassion means being with the person in their suffering, whereas empathy is to actually feel their suffering with right. them. Um, right. And that's not, I don't think that's a good thing. Now, a lot of people argue, well, that, that's, that's not how I use empathy. They, they, they say empathy and they mean compassion. They say, well, let's just say compassion. Or they mean they, sympathy. Or well, and yeah, those two words kind of switch at some point at, at, at some point <laughs> as well. Right. Um, so, yes, but it, it's, it's, it is interesting to see how that those things have evolved. Those words have evolved. I, I, I just, just use compassion. Just, yeah. I, <laughs> just, I don't want just, my doctor. I don't want my surgeon to feel my pain. I want him to heal it. You know, I don't want him sitting there operating, feeling my pain. Well, and the story that I tell, and I've probably t- told it on the air several times, but is the Captain Sullenberger story where he, he is, it, it was being interviewed with Katie Couric and Katie says to him at, at some point, Captain Sullenberger is a person who landed the plane in the Hudson, by the way, just to clarify. And uh, Katie Couric interviews him and says, she said, Captain Sullenberger, at any point, did you pray? And he says, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. There were 142 people behind me taking care of that. And he goes, and my job, and I love this, my job was to successfully crash the aircraft. And I love that phrase, successfully crash. What Harvard should article on is this notion of how does one inside an organization successfully crash the parts of the business that need to be successfully crashed. That's what they need to do. That's what Harvard business should be review should be working on in my view, stuff like that. Yeah, they don't. They talk about a whole bunch of other superfluous things, especially on their podcast. But uh, that just really struck me as odd. So I just wanted to run that by you. Yeah. Nope. Good stuff. But once again, Ron, we are already against our break. Want to remind you that you can get a hold of either one of us by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. That website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes, previews to upcoming shows, 
We are sponsored by 90 Minds on our Patreon at 90minds.com. If you need a mind, get one at, and find a mind at 90minds.com. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on The Soul of Enterprise Getting through our stack of stuff, we will try to effort and get George Gilder back on the show at some future point, but we had to call an audible today, as Ryan said earlier, and we're doing something a little bit different. So hope uh, you guys are enjoying this little ch- ch- change in plan. So Ron, the next story that I wanted to share is, is something that is, it really struck me as quite funny because we talked about this concept at many, many times when we have spoken together. This is from a Wall Street Journal article that was featured, I believe, yesterday. And the title is How Morticians Are Putting the Fun in Funerals. Awesome. (laughs) There there you go. Uh, Dominique uh, Mosbergen is the author of this. And morticians are finding ways to put the fun in a funeral to get customers to think about their final farewells, open their wallets long before the end. See, this is the entree into the subscription funeral. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, I love this. This is Brandon Patterson, one of the convention attendees who's talking about this. He, he says, I'm selling a product nobody wants, but ultimately everybody has to have. Right. <laughs> so, so I thought that was that was quite good. That is good. So, yeah. So they're 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 and a lot of this involves having the funeral while you're alive, which is a little weird. But they you know want you to, to about 15 percent of people uh, over 40 said they had made arrangements in writing, but only a third of that group had started paying for them. So this is yet another thing that I think where maybe they could get into the subscription business, um, you know, and and uh, they, they, they have, you know, see through custom caskets, which 
think is a little bizarre. The average cost of a funeral with viewing and burial is about $8,000, which is double the price from the early 1990s. This does not include the cost of a monument or burial vault and plot. So, uh, you know, I think it, the, it, the time is right, Ron. The time is right. Uh, and then the, the, the last thing they also mentioned, uh, the, the, this, that Disney uh, in their movie Coco uh, has really <laughs> spurred a lot of people to think about it because that is a movie about life after death. So they're bringing in the Disney element as well to this, Ron. So there you go. There you have it. Well, you know, it was Dan who asked the funeral uh, directors at the conference, what would happen mm -hmm. if Disney entered your your profession, you know, because mm -hmm. everybody was lamenting that the funeral is becoming a commodity. You could get cremated yeah. for 800 bucks, buy a casket at, you know, Walmart or uh, Costco for 400. And when we talked to, I forget his name, Lee Cockrell, I think, remember? The, Lockhart, the, Lee, yeah, Lee Cockrell, the, the, yeah. Um, from uh, He ran Walt Disney World. I think he was in charge of resorts and restaurants or he was in hospitality. And uh, he said, well, we talked about this and he said, well, that's funny. He said, because some people from Disney Epcot entered the funeral business <laughs> and they're starting to bring some Disney touches to it. And they just, you know, like life, I know lifescaping at one point was a big, you mm -hmm. know, celebrating the person's life video and pictures and yeah. all this type of thing. But Having the funeral when you're, you're alive is really interesting because I was asked this by somebody, you know, would, what businesses would never fit subscription? And I said, well, the classic one that I'm still trying to think about is funerals, you know, funeral business. But I, I think there is a way to do it. There is. A, there absolutely is. There is a way to do it. Why can't you subscribe to a funeral when you're born at a buck a month or whatever? And then it just gradually increases. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know. I just think that we don't think creatively enough about it. But that, that's really great. Well, Ed, this has been around forever. I actually wanted to do a whole show on this, but I, I, I'm glad we're not going to do, but I'll probably take the rest of this segment on this because right. I love this. This is phenomenal. And this ties into a show that we did. I think we called it Generational Astrology. It was episode number 142, so it was a while back. But I read a book and, uh, by Ronald Reagan, and it's called The Creative Society. This was his answer to, you know, the great society. This, he, and, and what this is, it's a series of speeches he gave from, I think it starts in the late 50s up until the time he's elected governor and maybe just a couple years into his first term as governor. So speeches he gave around the country, you know, he debated RFK on the creative society, which was really interesting. And so... There's various themes in here. Some of it's policy issues for California and all that, but but some of it is obviously more just generic issues. And and this is the one that struck me. And I'm going to have to read this to really lay out what he's saying. So I'll do this as best I can. We can talk about it as we go. He said, somehow, as humans, we have been stratified into a horizontal society instead of vertical. Layers of humanity are separated into age groups from preschool to those social tinkerers referred to as senior citizens. And somehow we are losing our ability to establish communications between layers. Worse, there is a growing hostility between these layers. So just thinking about the idea of generations being vertical, mm -hmm. right? Rather than the separation from like a horizontal basis. And he says, it is an unnatural situation. Humanity is vertically structured, 
the teenager will become the young married or junior executive, and in turn, the middle-aged and eventually the senior citizen. Each generation is critical of its predecessor, but no generation has failed completely, nor will this one succeed completely. We are the generation that exploded the atomic bomb and also harnessed the atom for peaceful, for peaceful purposes in medicine and industrial power. We have defeated polio and tuberculosis. This young generation is needed. We need your courage, your idealism, your new and untried viewpoint. You know more than we did. You are brighter, better informed, even healthier. And because humankind is vertically structured, we can take a little credit for that. But you want a purpose, a cause, a banner to follow, and we owe you that. We might try resolving that you will contribute something to generations unborn, a handhold above your own achievement so that another generation can climb, climb higher and achieve more. <laughs> wow. Beautiful stuff. Like, I, I thought that was absolutely profound. I've never heard it expressed that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even, I mean, we, we, you know, we kind of uh, got adjacent to some of these themes. You know, you quoted somebody way back from Greece, you know, yeah. Christian about the younger generation. <laughs> I quoted somebody from the 20s, you know, but but that whole visual of a vertically structured society. Hey, you're going to move up too, you idiots. You know, you're going to get older and, you know, why mm -hmm. don't you start looking at the next generation posterity? Uh, I just thought that that was a beautiful expression, the way he put that. Well, I mean, you remember the, the, the saying in the six, don't trust anyone under 30. Yes. And, yeah. And, and of course, now, now, now what? Now what? Yeah. Now, <laughs> uh, then what do you do? Then what do you do? What, what's next is, is uh, Thomas Sowell's would say, then what? Uh, yeah. There's an, there's another line in here. And I just love this. He says, he's talking about, this was after he became governor. And he said, some people described the early days of my administration as a honeymoon. He said, my reply was that if it was a honeymoon, I was sleeping alone. <laughs> <laughs> Reagan and that sense it's, of humor. It's, it's really phenomenal. The, the, the sense of humor comes through throughout all of these talks. It was just it was really, really thought provoking. And maybe just because I'm a California resident, so there's a lot of California policy and all that. But there were some really thought provoking things in there. But I just wanted to share that since we did a show on it. Well, and, and I, I want to point out something I think is one of the challenges. And I don't think this is a generational thing. I, I, what I do find interesting, though, is that there are, there are some people that don't, as part of the, the woke crowd or whatever, don't want stuff to even be talked about. And I think that's, that is a big danger. The, like, why, 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 would we, why would we ban all possible speech? I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Um, you know, different, different. If it's inciting violence, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, that one should do that, but violence is not speech. It's the antithesis of it. I mean, so I, I, it, it's the it's the way we avoid violence. And I think by 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 uh, not allowing stuff to be talked about, we're we're only building up a powder keg that is could be more and more dangerous as time moves on. Um, and I, you know, I really, I really think that this, this just the absolute suppression of speech is saying, well, that doesn't even deserve a forum. We shouldn't even talk about that. That that scares me. 
It does me too. And, and, you know, this is why I think we spend so much time thinking about what's going on in these college camp campuses, even though, you know, I know it's not the great majority of them. It is the top 25 of them and they're going to have influence. These are where future leaders come from. And it just scares me that so many people think that, yeah, well, these ideas are dangerous. So of course we should, we shouldn't allow them to be said. Yeah. That, that's just, that's, it's not just anti-American and anti-First Amendment, I think it's anti-human. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a form of cowardice, too, by the way, that you can't yeah. that you can't uh, absorb a, you know, one of the libertarian comedians. What's the guy's name? Um, Perez, something Lou Perez, I think. It, he wrote a great book, and he's you know obviously he's a comedian, so he's you know this is his arena. But he said this idea that a comedian shouldn't punch down. He said, this is the most condescending thing. Mm -hmm. He said, because that means I'm above you. And it's true. Comedians mm -hmm. aren't punching down. They're not punching up. They're punching back. Yeah. You know, they're punching back at society. It's, it's rituals. It's leaders. It's, you know, it's hypocrisy. That's what comedians do. It's all critical. Like, like John Cleese says, all comedy is critical. Mm-hmm. Well, speech can be critical too. Why would you want to suppress that? I don't know, but agreed. Um. All right. Uh, next up, before we, we go to our break, uh, Ron, this is uh, from uh, the Collins Dictionary. This is the the words of the year. Mm. Words of the year. Um, so I'm just going to give you, you know, some of them you'll 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 get like uh, vibe shift. You probably heard that one, right? A significant change in a prevailing mm. atmosphere. So people talk about that. Um, sports washing, the promotion of sporting yes. events to yes. detract attention from controversial activity. Like greenwashing. Like greenwashing. Yep. Quiet quitting, right? Practice yep. of doing yep. no more work than is actually contractually ob obliged to do. Uh, lawfare, the strategic use of legal proceedings to intimidate or hinder an opponent. So lawfare, like a combination of warfare. This one is interesting. Carolinian. And I, we should have predicted this one. Carolinian. This is of or relating to the reign of Charles III in Britain and Northern Ireland. Because it's, it's not Charlesian, it's Carolinian. That's, that's yeah. the, Interesting. the, the, the ad adjective that you would describe that. Right. Uh, warm bank, a heated building where people who cannot afford to heat go to, to, to uh, who can afford heat to own may, may go. So there's going to be like, I, I think there's going to be big this winter, right? In Europe. Yes. I In think Europe. Germany is already yep. talking about having uh, social places for people to congregate. Yep. And the, and the top <clears throat> one, I th th think this was interesting. It's called the perma crisis, the perma crisis, an extended period of instability or insecurity, the perma crisis. Ed, is jawboning in there? I did not in this list. Nope. Jawboning is an interesting term. And I don't know, is that, is that common now? Uh, it's getting more common. I think it's been around a little while. It just hasn't been very popular. That's when the government uh, basically kind of, it doesn't order social media to say what they want to be said, but it kind of, there's an implicit threat. Yeah. Right? If you that don't if do you, this, if, there could be legislation. If, yeah. It's a nice little social media company you have 
Elon, it would be it would be a tragedy if something happened. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, up against our last break, want to remind you, you can contact us by sending that email to asktsoe at verisage.com website, of course, the soul of enterprise. And I do want to remind you that we do have a place where you can rate this podcast, and that is ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! Hey folks, Ed here. Ron is far too modest to tell you about his new book with Paul Dunn, so I'm just going to have to go ahead and do it. Scheduled to release on December 8th, Time's Up, the subscription business model for professional firms, is going to rock the world like the firm of the future did two decades ago. While you can't get the book until December, you can join the pre-order club by buying the book and sending us your receipt. Benefits start in August and will continue through February. For more details, visit thesoulofenterprise.com slash Time's Up. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're going through our stack of stuff since our guest, George Gilder, did not appear. So, Ed, since you uh, just had a storm that passed over your part of Texas there, I uh, thought I'd give you this one. This is facts on hurricanes and climate are blowing in the wind from Bjorn Bjorn Lomborg. Mm. He said, Atlantic hurricanes are not becoming more frequent. (laughs) In fact, the frequency of hurricanes making landfall in the continental United States has declined slightly since 1900. Airplanes and satellites have dramatically increased the number of storms scientists can spot at sea today. That is why the frequency of landfall hurricanes reliably documented back to 1900 is a better statistic than the total number of Atlantic hurricanes. Sure. But yeah, so how many times have you seen that talked about? Um, And there aren't more powerful hurricanes either. The frequency of Category 3 and above hurricanes making landfall since 1900 is trending slightly down. 
although data for the rest of the world is less extensive, we see the same picture from 1950 to 2020 shows no significant increase for all or major hurricane frequency. Many more people live in the paths of hurricane, you know, the so-called target area. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see property damage and, you know, everybody's, oh, look at the billions of dollars of damage. And yeah, because more people are living in it. And because a hundred years ago, there wasn't anything there. That's why. (laughs) No people there. He said uh, many more people live in the past, even even then just a few decades ago, Florida had less than 600,000 houses in 1940. Today, the number is 17 times higher, more than 10 million. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's going to be more property damage. He said, of course, better infrastructure fed by improved technology and wealth uh, protects life and property. Um, The cutting of carbon emissions, you know, he talks about um, hurricanes worldwide being about 0.04% of the global gross domestic product, the damage caused by them. Um, and that is the UN's own IPP, you know, IPCC ch- uh, panel. Um, they claim that the proportion of strong hurricanes will increase, but the destruction dealt by these storms is is not going to go, he thinks, much higher than 0.02%. Now, of course, it's got decimal places, so we can laugh at that. But, um, you know, that's it. It's just fascinating to me that people every time something wildfire out here, or hurricane on, you know, in, on the on the East Coast and everybody, oh, look, this is we're going to see more of this. And it's like, no, the science on this is really disputed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've just actually seen stuff on that going back a couple of years ago. There was even a, a weather weather guy on one of the, yep. the channels. I forget his name, but he 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 railed against against that that data that they were becoming more and yeah this this is i think in the wake of the fact that we had two two category fours in back-to-back years you know katrina Mm -hmm. and then something else and you you seek patterns you know we are pattern seeking so yeah absolutely really interesting all right well on the this is on on the subscription uh economy front here uh this is uh the new york times has gone all in on digital subscriptions this is uh, pretty interesting uh, this is from that chart R, and they've got a mm. beautiful uh, chart here that you can take a look at when we post the, the, the show notes here. But uh, despite being 171 years old, New York Times isn't doing a bad job of keeping up with the demands of the modern news consumption. The paper revealed this week that it had added another 180,000 daily only subscriptions last quarter. Hmm. So the Gray Lady Online has been uh, progressing steadily for a while uh, amid a, a move towards subscription revenue and away from advertising. The pandemic really kicked in. So yeah, they, they, they've done, you know, of course they acquired Wordle. And I did not know this, This the, the popular sports website called The Athletic, which I've seen some uh, p- people swear by. I think it's a, 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 great, a great story. Uh, but yeah, digital, digital subscriptions now outpaced for the first time print subscriptions mm-hmm. it's 774 million dollars in digital subscriptions right now uh 588 million dollars in print subscriptions and don't they have like 11 million subscribers uh i i don't know the number of subscribers at least according to this story but it they, their their total revenue is is near 1.5 billion 1.4 billion. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it's 11 million. I think I had that story from Teens Newsletter. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a few weeks ago. It's in the lot within the last month. I 
reported that. I remember he talked about that. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they were one of the early uh, newspapers who figured out, hey, this model is crumbling that we have. <laughs> mm -hmm. we well, do I don't think else. they were early. Well, they maybe were earlier well, than others, but think, they yeah. at least have made the transition. Well, uh, they weren't as early as like Wall Street Journal and The Economist. And The I Economist, think, yeah. And somebody else too, was it Financial Times? Somebody else jumped on it really early. Mm -hmm. But at least they were one of the more early newspapers, right. you know, to do it. So, yeah. Um, all right, Ed. Wow, I've got a whole theme going on here. There, there's been so much about inequality. But um, just to set this up, I'm going to ask you, do you remember the tv show the hollywood squares oh yeah do you remember who was in the center square paul lind absolutely paul, paul lind so here's what the host asks paul lind so i'm going to ask you as, oh as god paul lind since you're in my center square here almost <laughs> on the center square um, okay ed what are pride greed lust envy gluttony wrath and sloth known as <laughs> Oh, uh, I can only imagine what Paul Lind had to say to that one. Uh, obviously, the seven deadly sins, but but it, uh, uh, a smorgasbord is that was that because he, he he was a big smorgasbord guy. The Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a hilarious answer. Uh, the Bill of Rights. Uh, yeah, the seven circle gets sins. the square. Yeah, yeah, circles. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, geez. Anyway, there's a it, what made me think of this is there's a um, fee article, the deadly sins of politics. And, uh, you know, some a 19th century philosopher, Joseph D. Mastra, once wrote, every nation gets the government it deserves. <laughs> and who, who said uh, that, you know, the, the, the voters have spoken, the bastards <laughs> who said that? <laughs> oh, was that P.J. O'Rourke? Uh, no, no, it was a politician. Oh, okay. But uh, I, I want to say Adelaide, St Adelaide, Adelaide Stevenson, Stevenson but, yeah. but it wasn't him. It was somebody else. But uh, I think it was somebody from New York, maybe mm. a losing mayor or something. Um, but but this article was really interesting out of fee because it um, written by Axel Weber and Dan Sanchez. Um, and I know we're kind of going up against the end here, but uh, I, I've never seen this before if I have forgot about it, but socialism, as Winston Churchill put it, is the gospel of envy, which I kind of thought was a great line. Um, but anyway, it, it's a good article on uh, the the sins of uh, the deadly sins of politics. So it's kind of got the seven deadly sins running through it. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Outstanding. So. All right. Well, we apologize for not having Gilder this week. I hope you've enjoyed what we've talked about in our Audible, which is uh, going through our stack of stuff. But Ron, what do we got coming up next week? Next week, Ed, we have James Garrity, and he wrote a book called The Orphan Drug Revolution, which deals with rare diseases, uh, usually a population of 200,000 or less, and what the government and what entrepreneurs are doing to serve those people afflicted with these rare, really rare diseases, sometimes even less than 100. Uh, it's really interesting, and it's a great book. So I think that's going to be a great discussion with James Garrity next week. All right. We'll have to ask him about our idea for subscription for that and see if that makes any sense to him. Well, I'll see you in 167 hours.
This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com for more information on each show, including upcoming shows that we have. And also, you can contact Ed or me at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.